Welcome to the Breaking Stars podcast, where it features stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds that broke into tech. Today we're covering the story of Rocio Lopez, a dreamer that grew up in East Palo Alto that now works as a product designer at Sumo Logic. Not only are we going to explain what a dreamer is, but we're also going to share more about DACA and how you can call your legislator to encourage them to pass the DREAM Act. For those of you that don't know, the U.S. government is not accepting new DACA applications and will stop accepting renewal applications on October 5th. For those of you that didn't catch that, I'm going to repeat. The U.S. government is not accepting new DACA applications and will stop accepting renewal applications on October 5th. So, why is that important? If you're a dreamer, make sure you apply to renew ASAP. For those of you that don't know, the people temporarily protected under DACA are people that were brought to the U.S. illegally as children and are known as dreamers. The reason they're called dreamers is because DACA was a compromise devised by the Obama administration at the Congress failed to pass the DREAM Act that would have offered those who had arrived illegally as children a chance at permanent legal residency. It's easy to believe that the decision to end DACA is just a Trump thing, but it's important to realize that if Trump didn't decide to end DACA, a group of state attorney generals led by Texas threatened to sue to do it for him anyway. So it's way more nuanced. With that in mind, there is still hope if Congress passes legislations by March 2018. And the reason why we are covering this on the Breaking Stars podcast, even though this is not a political podcast, is because many dreamers currently work in tech and their lives are in jeopardy. So shout out to Ren, uh, who introduced us to Rocio. And Rocio um, really wants you to know that we can fight this thing together. And without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah. So tonight... It's 10.30 p.m. on a Thursday, and we're recording tonight's episode out of Hustle, which is a startup in San Francisco. In addition to recording the podcast, we're also doing a Facebook Live. So if you did enjoy this episode, you can go to our Facebook page and you can check out the video and actually see our guest live in person. And what's interesting about our guest is she's from the Bay. She's a fellow podcast listener. Her name actually means do, and it's a uh, drizzling outside so we're about to jump into this episode ruben can you please introduce the guest yeah team was so um you know before labor day many people knew our guest Adocio lopez as you mentioned as a product designer at sumo logic you know recently there was an announcement about the repeal of something that a lot of people you might have seen it it's called daca which is also known as the deferred action for childhood arrivals and she was affected because she is one of the 800,000 dreamers that are going to be affected by this decision by the administration. She reached out to me and the twins a couple of days ago about what she's going through. And we prioritized making sure that we would cover these issues for her. And um, it's important because the average DACA recipient is 26, came to the U.S. at six, 91% are employed, 100% have no criminal record. 
and they pay $500 to renew every two years and contribute $800 million per year to the government. So Rocio is um, a self-top engineer. She's a great speaker. Through Toastmasters, she's amazing. She was introduced to us through our buddy, Ren. And for those of you that don't complete listening to this entire episode, if there's two things that you take away from this episode, this is what we want you to do. Number one, meet other dreamers. And number two, make sure you call your members of Congress to pass the Dream Act over the next six months because there is a six-month delay, which is why we are recording here at Hustle, which works with what some of the most progressive organizations, including for the, that U.S. We'll talk more about that. So, Rocio, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And so before we jump into your story, please just tell us kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis at Sumo Logic and you're a product designer. So tell our folks who are just starting to tune in what a product designer does so they get a sense of mm-hmm. what skills you have. Yeah, I design beautiful user experiences and I am in the big data analytics space, which is right now still very dark. It may not seem very sexy, but there are so many challenges. And for me, it's just so exciting because I actually get to do something very fulfilling that can help in uh, DevOps engineers or even security guys like find things quickly, like find that needle in the haystack. Yeah, it's um, amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about your day to day and the team that you currently work on? Yeah. So currently I am designing a very new end-to-end experience that actually will be released at AWS reInvent in November. Okay. So I can't talk about it like go into details, but it's amazing. I get to work with the most intelligent people and also the, the most caring individuals. Actually, my PM reached out to me yesterday after we had a fire and he asked me, are you okay? And I thought he meant like, oh, I'm okay. Like, you know, stressed yeah. out. But he was referring to how am I emotionally after hearing that the Trump administration has decided to repeal DACA? Yeah. And I think that I was like, wow, yeah. they care. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not often that people people ask how you are every day. What's the name of, of your manager? Ben. Shout out to um, Ben. Um, yeah. And for the people that don't know, can you kind of explain, you know, know what DACA is and you know what it enabled you to do? Yeah, so DACA was a temporary solution that President Obama enacted in 2012 because for more than 20 years, we've been trying to create some sort of solution for young kids who were brought here through not fault of their own illegally to the U.S., but yet they grew up just like any other kid, went to school, got an education, worked hard. And it was a memorandum, just to make it clear. It wasn't an amnesty. It wasn't, basically, it wasn't a path towards citizenship. Mm -hmm. It was just a temporary solution so that we're not going to deport these kids. You know, we're going to let them have a normal life so they can work and just function like any other citizen. Have a cell phone, have the basic things that all of us And just to give our listeners that perspective, what was uh, your life like before uh, DACA? Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of examples. So first one, when I was 15, I grew up in a very rough neighborhood, East Palo Alto here in Silicon Valley. And it's not like Palo Alto, like affluent and, you know, like it is. And at the time, it was actually the number one murder capital in the nation. Wow. I would walk to school and then also from school to my house. 
And basically, my parents worked as janitors during the evening, so they couldn't pick me up. I didn't have a phone. If something happened to me, like there was no way I could call someone. And so one of the volunteers I've met at Stanford, a med school student, she was like, I'll help you get a phone because in order to get a phone here, you need a credit history. And in order to have a credit history, you need a social security number, mm-hmm. yeah. which I didn't have. Yeah. 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 What were the other two examples? The other one is basically education, right? So as an undocumented student, I cannot apply for federal grants or federal loans or have access to tuition, in, uh, in-state tuition. Some things have changed, but at the time when I was applying, none of that existed. So if I wanted to go to college, I would have to figure out a way to pay for it myself or get private funding or private scholarships. Because even some scholarships have the requirement of being a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident. Yeah, yeah. And, and it goes from just our pre-chat, it sounds like it goes way kind of further than that because you also cannot get a driver's license. And then when, you, when it comes down to getting housing, like renting an apartment, it adds a lot of additional problems that a young teenager kind of should not be having to figure out on their own and having to face. And it sounds like DACA provided that temporary solution for you. So like, do you remember the moment when you heard that DACA was being implemented and how, like, what were those yeah. next few months for you after you found out that it was yeah. um, like past or, yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was like the world was open. Like there was no ceiling to your dream because prior to having DACA, basically I went to an Ivy League school after getting private funding that I, you know, I pursue, I earned. It wasn't given to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I'm, you know, I could go work at Goldman Sachs. Yeah. I could go work at McKinsey. I am intelligent. And your classmates were getting those offers. Yeah, and they jobs, were getting right? those those yeah. jobs. And you know, during graduation, it was very difficult to be happy, but at the same time, I was also, you know, to be thankful for the education that I had. So basically, I came back to Silicon Valley from New York City, and the next step was like, well, what do I do? Because I can't really work. I have to be in the shadows, right? And basically, it was a struggle just figuring out what to do without breaking the law even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and before talking about what you did, like just to continue, like painted the picture a little bit, like you, before you grew up in East Palo Alto and you don't have memories of Mexico, but you talk about like, you know, what your dad did to even like get you into work. Like what are some of the things that like he had to do to get yeah. you into work? Yeah, so both of my parents made very big sacrifices, again, working as janitors. Also, it's going to sound silly, but like we had to live with other people just to pay for $100 for a room within a house. It's like 17 people, right? Yeah. Other immigrants. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't I didn't even have my own room. Like mm-hmm. we were all like living in the same room. It's <laughs> like, not family. Yeah, not family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, you can imagine how much privacy you have. Yeah. But you know, being in East Palo Alto, again, East Palo Alto is not what it is today. Like my dad got beaten out outside just trying to go to work. Wow. They used to dump carts right where we lived. Wow. And he had to kind of like, you said even like with the to sneak you into work, like what were some of the yeah. things that he had to do? So he was a janitor and he, by the way, we were here before dot com. So he worked at tech company startups as a janitor. So similar to that New York Times article that just came out. Yeah. Talking about yeah. How- and okay. it's funny because I would go help him out during the weekends and 
because you're not supposed to bring your kids to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would put me in the trash can and put a bag over it, like just yeah. to avoid the cameras at the entrance. And then I would help him like clean up, pick up the trash from desks and conference rooms. And it's amazing because like now I'm in a conference room at a tech company. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually that person, yeah. you know, helping I, out. I think that's interesting just because like, you know, being here now, you see, you know, all these different conversations that people mm-hmm. are having around like diversity and how there's like not a lot of people that are diverse that are working in tech companies and high skilled jobs. But if you look at the service workers and the research mm-hmm. that people like Silicon Valley Rising and Working Partnerships talks about, it's like most of the people that are on these server worker positions are black and brown. And, mm-hmm. and even though they have their foot in their door, they don't have a lot of the opportunities to learn more, even take advantage of the benefits that are offered within these companies. How do you feel about that? Well, it's very tough. And I have to say that we need to do a better job of creating opportunities. Yeah. I mean, even look at how far people have to commute because they cannot afford to live here in the area close to work. I mean, if you just drive on El Camino right next to Stanford, there's a lot of trailers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can like it takes me three two, four hours just to get across the bridge. Yeah. So I can come. Yeah. To the other side. And so, you know, DACA gave you these opportunities and we're going to continue talking about your story and and the way that you actually broke in and different Mm -hmm. unique things that you did. But, um. You know, what are the implications if, you know, Congress doesn't pass a dream act? And like, what are we going to be going back to? Mm-hmm. So basically now I'm in a position where I get to hire and there are many talented people out there who come from untraditional backgrounds, right? I have a very untraditional background for product design and I made it. And throughout my whole life, people have helped me in many ways and I want to pay it forward and I want to help bring other people along with me and I have the opportunity to do so. So if I'm not able to work, how can I help those, you know, who need help and who want to actually break into tech and also break into product design. Right. The other thing is that I grew up here (laughs) since I was little, like I don't know much history about Mexico. I don't know the anthem. Like I only know, America. I yeah. only know swing dancing. Yeah. Like literally, I did swing dancing for 10 years. <laughs> I still do it, but I got injured. And it's funny because people are like, that's weird. You do <laughs> swing dancing? It's like, yeah, I love jazz. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like what we would be going back to it wouldn't be so great. Yeah. And I think, especially now here in tech, there's a lot of demand for product designers. I mean, at my company, we have been trying to hire people for the last two months and we can't find one. Yeah. For every 10 engineers, we need one designer. Yeah. And we need to bring more designers. So if you're sending me back wherever I go, it's a loss for innovation, for continuing to, you know, create beautiful products that are going to change the world. Yeah. It may be the iPhone. Yeah. It may be something else. Yeah. yeah. So in, in six months, if um, the Dream Act doesn't get passed, what happens to your life in terms of your legal status? Yeah. So I become targeted for deportation mm-hmm. and the so government you lose your the, job right you well, yeah I, I mean of course yeah i will yeah. lose my job i can anytime ice can come in and knock on my door because they know where i am they know yeah. where i work because you have um, to register to be part of the daca program you have to give them all your information you have to apply so they know where taxes. you live yeah <laughs> all we, that went, stuff. we went through a very rigorous background check mm. and I, I gave them everything yeah. yeah bank statements everything they know everything about me <laughs> and just to clarify <laughs> to our listeners you have to go through this process and 100 percent of people who 
qualify for DACA, they're like 100% don't have a criminal record, right? Yeah. yeah. So no you've already been vetted by the yeah. government mm -hmm. and there's 800,000 people in the country who have that status. Yeah. yeah. And you do it every two years. Yeah. Every two years. Yeah. The other thing is, it's a moral question. Yeah. Because does this mean that you hold your children accountable for your parents' actions? Yeah. Right? I didn't know I was breaking the law when I came here. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going on a field trip. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, like, you know, people talk about law and like jobs and these things like that. But it's like people have been moving place to place before those governments and cities and things mm -hmm. like that. It's just like just rights in general. And you talked a little bit about like, you know, you guys are immigrants mm -hmm. and like, you know, what do you guys feel this? Or yeah. like, yeah. You, know, you talked about some things about you guys are Jewish as well. And like yeah. part being persecuted, like you had some questions yeah. about that. Like, yeah, definitely. And I don't know if we've spoken on the podcast about this, but Timur and I, we moved, our family moved to the United States when we we're in sixth grade. So I think very close to the same age that you were. And we definitely saw the sacrifices our parents made. None of us spoke any English. They literally were struggling to get a minimum wage jobs. So I think a lot of the things that you've mentioned, what your family had to go through, we kind of face the same. But I think something that I can't even imagine how hard it was for your family, because with all the hardships that I saw my parents go through, at least we had the security that they're not going to be put in jail. They're not going to be sent home. Our family is not going to be broken apart. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like growing up having that hang over our shoulders, you know? So yeah, again, I'm, I'm definitely like super, like kind of super touched by your story. And then with the recent developments, Ruben mentioned that we're Jewish. And part of the reason why we were able to come to the United States is because there's a lot of persecution against Jews in Eastern Europe. And there, since the beginning of the 19th century, there's always been anti-Semitism. And we came to the United States to escape persecution. And with you, it seems like with the recent changes, you're actually being persecuted by the government. So just wanted to hear your, your kind of side of the story and kind of do you feel like the government and the direction it's been heading over the last couple of months, do you feel like you're, you don't, like you're being persecuted as well? Yeah, definitely. Both directly and indirectly. I mean, yeah. directly, of course, through their actions from Tuesday, but also indirectly in the sense that some of the things that Jeff Sessions announced in his statement were actually not true. Mm -hmm. And everyone, everybody's listening to this, right? So I can't imagine someone who doesn't know a dreamer and they have that wrong misconception. Then they start feeling hatred towards us because they think we're taking their jobs or we're taking, you know, American benefits and things like that. That's how prosecution starts, yeah. right? Yeah. When you're not you don't know the truth from falsehood. And I think that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why yeah. I'm not afraid to be open about my status. And I want to share this because yeah. I think we need to learn the truth. Yeah. yeah. And I think for both sides, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that both sides have about what a dream, who dreamers are. Mm -hmm. And because of that ignorance or because they just haven't met people who are hardworking like yourself, who speak perfect English, who went through the American education system who are contributing value, paying taxes to the society, how we could even like ethically find that or justify morally to kick people out like yourself who probably would consider you like if I ask you if you consider yourself American mm -hmm. or Mexican, what would you say? 
That's American. You're American. Yeah. So these people are trying to kick out people out of this country, even though the whole country was based on immigrants coming to this new world, mm -hmm. seeking better future for themselves and their kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now we're taking steps back from that. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, hey, like our ancestors were able to do it, but we won't let people who consider themselves American mm -hmm. to contribute to the society. And yeah. the, the, the irony of it too is like, isn't, didn't you say you like wanted to work with the government and things like that before and things like that? Yeah. Like I mean, I love America. I would give my life for America. Like that's how much wow. this country means to me. And two things, I am willing to pay a penalty if there is a penalty. I am willing to do whatever it takes, but I need Congress to tell me where to line up, what mm -hmm. application to fill out, how much money do I have to give? I don't mind. I don't know how long it'll, it's going to take, but I am willing to, to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to, you know, do anything. Back to your, your question, the second point is, I love this country so much that now that I know, you know, what I love to do, like, for a living, I would love to design user interfaces for the government. <laughs> and actually, last year, I was doing a, a contract gig. And basically, I was helping guys from the Department of Defense yeah. redesign and rethink their defense uh, threat models. Mm -hmm. and. It was shocking to me because I was like, whoa, this is like technology from the 80s. Like, what's yeah. going on? And part of the reason is that it's not like Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley moves really fast and you iterate and, you mm -hmm. know, ship out things yeah. out the door quickly. But they don't have people from Silicon Valley in the government. Yeah. The problem is that if you want to work for the government, you need to be a U.S. citizen. So I can't even serve my country <laughs> through design because yeah. I am not a U.S. citizen. Yeah. Even yeah. though I, I would love to. And yeah. it's amazing that you were working on a contract for the Department of Defense to create systems to make Americans safer. And we're making, passing legislature or not passing legislature <laughs> that will allow folks like you to stay here who are already grew up here and earned the right to live here. And we're making it much harder yeah. <laughs> yeah. to do that. I mean, I want to keep America safe. Like, for example, for this project, what's happening is that commanders out in Iraq, they need information on, on something and they need it like, like by next day. They mm -hmm. can't wait forever. Mm -hmm. So they sent it here to, you know, somewhere, an analyst here in the U.S. or somewhere else. But the problem is that the analyst has to go through a bunch of systems, legacy systems, and try to like you know, zoom in for the needle in the haystack. And the problem is that if they don't get it in time, the guys on the ground, they could get targeted yeah. or they might miss, yeah. you know? So it's like, guys. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's, not just, it's not just a clerical thing or a bureaucracy thing. There's actually people's lives on the line that are yeah. fighting the war in Iraq and their lives could be improved if more people like yourself had the opportunity to contribute and make these systems more efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely such a situation that Fists us off that we're going to continue to talk about a little bit more. But, um, you know, you're, you're a designer. You are, you know, doing a lot of these different things. Timor mentioned that you speak perfect English, which I think is a great segue for the fact that you were in Toastmasters and like you were coaching like PhDs at Stanford or mm -hmm. something. Like, what was that about? Tell us about that. So when I graduated from Columbia, I came back to Silicon Valley and basically I was like, oh, what do I do with my life now? Because I can't really work legally. 
So I started freelancing and part of freelancing is you need to be a really like go-getter and like be able to talk to clients, communicate, not just like like one-on-one, but like be uh, able to do presentations and also uh, have uh, emotional intelligence. And a friend of mine recommended me Toastmasters. So I went to the Stanford Business School, the GSB, and started volunteering and coaching people. It's interesting because all of these people, they come from all over the world. They're not just, you know, like U.S. Native speakers. Yeah, native speakers or citizens. PhD in biology and in biochemistry, all of these. And funny story is that everyone would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we just came from the D school across the street. And I was like, what is the D school? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's where we do design and we do um, whiteboarding and, and, and do all these exercises about empathy and, and interviews. And I was like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, basically, that's how I actually started discovering product design slowly, because I would hear from them and then I would be curious. So I would actually go and sit in the back and, you know, just listen and, you know. So you were basically breaking in. <laughs> yeah, I was um, breaking through the before side. Before the Breaking Into Storms podcast was around, but you were already breaking in into the D school yeah. at Stanford. Yeah. And um, what was your path like? When did you realize that you had a passion for product design and how did that uh, translate into you acquiring the skills that you have now so you can actually get a job? Yeah. I would say it actually, it happened very naturally. And part of it is because a designer, you are working with a lot of constraints. It's a lot of like problem solving. Yes, it's it involves some drawing and doing UI work. But at the end, the essence of product design is problem solving and communication. Guess what? In the streets of EPA, I had to do a lot of problem solving. <laughs> Figure out what street am I going to walk in today because I don't want to get killed. Yeah. And for that, I had to pay attention to my environment. Well, who was here last week? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then later on, so when I was in high school and then also at Columbia, I used to work a lot with Adobe Creative Suite because yeah. I was doing infographics or, I don't know, changing the typeface for the newspaper. So slowly, I like I, I just started learning and picking up things. And when I got out of Colombia and I was unable to work legally, I just started free, freelancing and helping real estate agents with their posters, brochures. And one thing turned into another, but they're like, oh, Rocio, can you redesign our CRM system so we can send out, you know, nice, beautiful emails? And I was like, oh, cool. I can do yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was like, I don't know what this thing is, but I'll, I guess I'll figure it out. Yeah. And that's the beauty. America, like, there's a lot of opportunity anywhere. Yeah. Any Anyone, any business out there has a problem, yeah. but they don't know they have a problem. So if you just are willing to just jump in, learn it. And solve it. Yeah. You yeah. can do it. And so like in the beginning, you didn't realize that you were designing. Somebody was like, oh yeah, you're doing design. Like yeah. how did you get your first like corporate designer job? Yeah. So it happened while I was still freelancing. I think that was like the beginning of it, but it also like in the corporate world, it was at Cisco. Yeah. So when I received DACA, because I had a work permit, I was able to go apply anywhere. So Cisco is a huge enterprise, yeah. million dollar company. Cisco Systems. Okay. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I ended up there is because the uh, chief marketing officer I previously knew her and uh, she had helped me back in my, you know, when I was a little kid. Wow. And so she, she referred me. I mean, That's I still. Hell of, hell of a referral right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I still went through the interview yeah. process. Yeah. Of course, um, yeah. yeah. But at Cisco, they had a, a challenge with 
training partners worldwide. Like the experience just wasn't fun and exciting. And basically here I come and I was like, well, okay, let's fix the problem. And it's interesting because uh, we went through the whole design process of research, interviewing people and then scoping requirements and then, you know, testing things. And then towards the end, one of the technical engineers, she's like, oh, yeah, Rocio, you're doing product design. I was like, what? I'm just solving a problem. Right. And so it's it's amazing. Right. Like opportunity is anywhere. Yeah, It's Um, amazing how. in your eyes, you see so much opportunity. There's so many people out there who speak the language perfectly. They went to good schools. They have jobs mm-hmm. now and they can't get enough kind of courage to step out of that comfort zone mm-hmm. and go out and, I don't know, follow their passion or try and use, learn a new skill and then try to apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And then and the, you're going to say something? Yeah. Well, yeah. I wanted to follow up on that, which is a lot of it is the mindset, right? Yeah. Given the constraints that dreamers face throughout their lives not just from the moment like they're in school but even prior to that you know you can have a pessimistic view about the world like it sucks or you can have an optimistic view and i think that's why you know we need to have more people like that in america because we believe in this country we believe in democracy and we believe we can have a better country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we need people who are optimistic yeah yeah and so, so going into something that you talked about in the pre-chat, you know, you mentioned some people that helped you out mm-hmm. along the way. You talked about people helping people and the importance of that. Someone talked to you about like tradecraft. Somebody mm-hmm. talked to you about like, you know, helped you with your mm-hmm. cell phone and all these other things. Can you talk about the specific people that helped you, you know, shout them out if you want to and just yeah. talk about what they specifically did? Because like, just like how these guys helped me, my parents, my brother, everybody helped out. Talk about them. Yeah. So basically there have been many, like there's a whole long list, but really there's someone who stands out and that's Christina, Chris. Um, Shout out to Chris. Yeah. She's amazing. Uh, we've known each other for 15 years. Wow. She, she has seen, seen me through like my ups and downs and she mm-hmm. met me when I was a little kid and I mm-hmm. could barely like, you know, read. <laughs> <laughs> And she taught me how to read. And basically, she was a retired teacher from Los Altos. And she volunteered at Eastside. Eastside is the school that I went through 6th through 12th grade, which is a private school that helps underrepresented minorities get into college. Now, this is a private school, so you need to be sponsored. And I was sponsored by another couple who pay for my education, basically. But Chris was an interesting person because... so. She mentored me and taught me how to read well, but throughout my life, so from middle school to high school and then on to college, she helped me in many ways, whether it was making an intro to Karen Walker, the CEO, I mean, not the CEO, the CMO at Cisco. So I could stay at her house so I wouldn't have to commute from East Palo Alto to Los Altos for an internship or whether it was you know, giving me advice about, you know, why I shouldn't quit college, even though it is really hard and I am not the top student anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Going from a class of 25 people to now like thousands of, you know, brilliant people or, you know, being able to just navigate Silicon Valley because a lot of people don't understand that East Palo Alto and Palo Alto are two separate worlds, especially in the 90s prior to what we see today. For me, going up to University Avenue, even just, you know, having a sandwich or going to the bookstore borders, which is no longer there, is scary. 
because I was like, this is not my world. There's white people and I'm not meant to be here. I'm only meant to be here to clean offices. That's it. But Chris would take me out to lunch, whether it was the country club or it was Palo Alto. And she made me feel safe. Yeah. Like this is a place where you someday can be because, you know, this country is about opportunity. And if you work hard, you can have this too. You can earn this too. Yeah. 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 And I just want to also highlight that um, I think mentorship and especially for any of our listeners who want to get involved, I think it's really important to get involved with programs like iMentor, which help high school kids get into college. I think it's important to realize that there's a lot of people who come to this country, a lot of immigrants, where if their parents have never experienced going through the process of sending out college applications, applying for financial aid and doing all of those things, that it's important for someone, if, if you do have a college degree and you're living in the United States and you want to give back, one of the best ways you can get involved is that you can pay it forward to someone else who might be in high school who needs to navigate the landscape the same way how you were doing it. And later on, kind of, they get to share the success of the folks that they ended up helping. So yeah, I think it's super important. Getting involved with Palo Alto things like, these Palo Alto things like Street Code Academy yeah. or anything mm-hmm. like that, just support the local community, man. Like a lot, of, I love that you're touching on the, the dynamics because like there's so many things that people don't pay attention to. So yeah, anyway, yeah. that's good. And I think to add to everything these guys said, I remember when I was growing up, I was like being like in an immigrant household usually the parents are at work, right? Mm-hmm. And they could barely speak English. And so mm-hmm. as a kid, all of a sudden, you're supposed to step into the role of an adult. And I was such an early age because I remember when we were like 10 or 11 years old and like our dad got a parking ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Our dad doesn't, Timur and I's dad, he doesn't know how to write a, an, uh, a letter to like explain the situation. Mm-hmm. So he had one of us actually like sit down and like explain and write everything in English which is kind of like you're 11 years old and you're writing a letter mm-hmm. to the yeah. city government explaining to them like why that parking regulation was like incorrect, right? But yeah. little things like that, that makes a huge difference in your upbringing because your parents are not there to tell you, hey, you should apply to college or you should do this and that and that. They're at, they're at work busy mm-hmm. providing for the family. So as a like immigrant, I could imagine as a, someone who is a dreamer, you probably had to face so much more at such an early age that made you mature, have a much higher maturity levels than someone who just grows up with their parents helping them through their middle school, high school, and even after they graduate. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. And I think it also teaches us to appreciate more the things that we have and, you know, our family. Even till this day, like, you know, my dad had an accident and he ended up in the ER twice. I got a bill or we mm-hmm. got a bill, <laughs> but I've never seen that many zeros and mm-hmm. he doesn't have healthcare or any mm-hmm. of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And because he's undocumented, he doesn't have access to any government aid at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're like, we're going to pay it yeah. because, you know, we are responsible people and, you know, we don't want to munch off of anything. That's we want to yeah. just do our, our, our thing just like anybody else would. That's wild. Yeah. And, wow. and when you reached out, you know, yesterday, you talked to me a little bit about, mental health, depression, things like that, not necessarily about breaking into tech, but like kind of things that like staying in tech or just like the things that immigrants have to do to it. Like, can you talk a little bit about like the psychology of it and like how that affects your psyche and like we might see news and how things just like roll (laughs) over our our heads. Like, how does that affect you? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think especially now with 
all the things that are happening in the media, it's tough. Like today, I was actually reading Trump's statement about why he made the decision to end DACA, and it hit me. Like it affected me. I mean, I know I shouldn't because he's not in front of me yelling at me or like saying that to me, but even just like reading it and seeing that someone thinks of us like like that, it's like, wow, like it has a deep impact. And even before that, like I think when I was like coming out of Colombia and like just trying to figure out my life, I remember because at the time I didn't have my credit history and social security number, so I couldn't just, you know, get it. I went from East Palo Alto to Palo Alto to Mountain View, applying to all these different places just for an apartment. And I couldn't get it. They said, no, sorry, you just don't have a credit history. And I gave them like a whole explanation. Like I wrote a letter. I said, well, I went to Columbia University. I have good grades and, you know, I'm a responsible person, human being. And I'm currently freelancing and this is how much money I have in the bank. I just want a place. Like I just want shelter over my head. And they said, sorry, that's not how it works. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and finally, I think one of like my, I think the last listing on my list was like, there was actually one of the assistant managers. He's like, okay, let me see what I can do. And again, it's like back to my previous years because of people like that, that, you know, were able to yeah. Yeah, and continue. Uh, I love the fact that Ruben brought up mental health. I think there's a lot of people who are probably either in the situation that you're in right now, mm-hmm. or maybe they're a 14-year-old girl who is also someone who's impacted by the, uh, who's a participant of a DACA act, but now she needs to kind of rationalize and justify in her head how to deal with this. So if you don't mind sharing, like, what is it that you tell yourself when you wake up in the morning? Because we like to deconstruct people, successful people. What do you tell yourself in order to kind of justify what's going on around you Mm -hmm. and keep going? Yeah. So I would say that what has helped a lot was, well, is (laughs) being present. I think prior to um, doing meditation, um, I used to be very worried about the future, the past, what's been done. And I forgot that I am here and this is what I have control over. But also have this optimism, like, you know, believe in the best of mankind that even if there's an injustice, you know what? People are going to learn from this. And hopefully, like, next time, they'll do something different. Yeah, I mean, because you cannot lose hope. I mean, slavery existed for many, many, many years, but people, you know, had hope. And I think that's one of the things that I also learned from Obama. So I remember um, he was giving a speech. Oh, man. It was towards the end of his uh, presidency. And he was in Chicago. And he was talking, talking. And then someone said, boo, or something. I can't remember. Or, or yay, I can't remember. But <laughs> anyway, so he says, he said, don't boo, vote. Right? So meaning like, yeah, yes. I mean, you can be all emotional. But at the end of the day, you need to focus on what you can control. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's very hard to have a mindset like that, for sure. And I'll give you, actually, this is very relevant. I was at the Contemporary Jewish Museum this past weekend just to escape the heat. <laughs> Basically, um, someone left a painting and it's a woman smelling a flower. All right. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that looks really cool. Awesome. Right. And then the guy who was showing us around, he was like, oh, did you see the background? And I was like, no. Basically, it was 
bodies being burned right in Holocaust. Wow. And the point that the artist artist was trying to convey was basically like, even though there's all these crazy things happening around you and they're tough, like I'm not gonna lie, you need to just focus on the basics. You know, we have we we live in, you know, in a good country. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there are little things that we can appreciate. Yeah. yeah I mean, those things are relative. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I think the point you're making is like you could be, you know, driving at 185 miles an hour, but don't forget to stop and smell the roses. Pretty yep. much is what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it's definitely hard to have that mindset. Something else that, you know, came up at, at least in my mind when you were talking is that a lot of people face microaggressions for their race mm-hmm. or their gender or their sexuality. What kind of microaggressions have you received in your direction over your t- your lifetime because of your status or or just because of like just like being Mexican in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. So I have to say that I haven't faced like directly because I am very lucky to live in Silicon Valley, the land of awesome people. But I know it's not like that in the rest of the country. I think I see that online. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, I'm I'm looking at a speech by Obama, or I'm looking, you know, even the announcement on on Tuesday, and 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 I see it, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big disconnection here. I think and, a lot of people feel like that, especially yeah. when we see the comments on Twitter or um, on Facebook Live, and yeah. mm-hmm. you just question, like, do these people even exist? Are yeah. these real people that, like, is is this really how they feel? Like, because there's a you kind of expect a decency out of people, and like just a basic human level. And for some of the comments just amazed me and I'm sure other people feel in a similar way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, so I'm, as a designer, I, one of the things that I always do is empathize right, with whoever I'm talking to. Yeah. And to some level, there's empathy because I think that when you're on the other side and, you know, you have leaders or people in the office of government mm-hmm. telling you all these things it's pretty easy to believe mm-hmm. and then you start blaming all of your troubles all of these things it's easy to just do the scapegoating mm-hmm. it sounds like the government is the fake news <laughs> these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but to your point um it, because like honestly if let's say if i wasn't here in silicon valley and i was somewhere in the south i wouldn't mind like talking to someone who hates immigrants and even whatever they may call me, offer them, hey, you know, I'm a product designer. And if you want to learn how to, you know, do what I'm doing, I'm happy to become your mentor. (laughs) I'm happy to help you. I'm happy to teach you. Yeah, I think Um, think to your point, it's important (laughs) to just have conversations with people that may not agree with you. Just like lay out all your issues on the table and just like have a conversation to figure out what it is that you do agree on and maybe like go from there. Yeah. Like yeah. Unpack and things. I think your point, you actually have a tangible skill so that you've built over the years of being a product designer and that the people who are going around accusing illegal immigrants of taking jobs, you actually want to help them too. So it's like if they could accept that help, you and I'm sure there's many other people that will go out of their way to share those skills and bring everyone up. Yeah. It's not yeah. like it's not a it's not like one side wins and the other loses. It's yeah. Everyone could win. We just need to be more accepting. Yeah, and you were like but, mentored by people in the designer fund and you help other people in the community learn skills, and right? Yeah, because here's the reality and this is for everybody, not, not just people in Silicon Valley, but people all over the world. 
automation is coming. Yep. I mean, it's already here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I am sorry, but like, you know, job skills, they're going to change because where the world is going, we have to move to it, right? Yeah. I may have studied economics, but guess what? I mean, I mean, I still use some of those things, but we need more designers. We need more engineers. Well, some of the skills you're studying now aren't going to be yeah. relevant in the future. Yeah. Now, right? yeah. You need to adopt. Yeah. 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 You have to be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are there any things that you haven't covered that you want to address before we go into the lightning round? Yeah. So <laughs> I have two ask. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think you mentioned them early, which is like, you know, we're all human beings. So let's just start a conversation. And I invite people listening to meet other dreamers to learn more about what's real versus what's not real. So for example, in the statement from Tuesday by Jeff Sessions, he says that DACA was an amnesty. In reality, it's not. It was never an amnesty. It was never something given. It was just a temporary solution from deportation and in the meantime, you get to work for two years, right? Mm-hmm. So it's little things like that that I I like people to learn more about. And you can only learn that from someone who has gone through that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And what's and, the other way that people get support for those listening? Yeah. And the second one was, of, of course, <laughs> call Congress. And I really mean this because I know a lot of people are disappointed from <laughs> the election, right? The presidential mm-hmm. election. Well, guess what? Here's your opportunity to make democracy work. Your senators, your representatives in the House, they listened to people, but they need to also get calls to know that this is a pressing issue because six months may look like reasonable, but guess what? We got tax reform. We got North Korea. We got all these other things that are happening right now. Hurricanes. Hurricane, right? Not to say that those other things and also events are not important, but we need to also make justice because dreamers have been waiting for more than 20 years. The Dream Act was introduced to the Senate in 2001, two, yeah, 2002, and then again in 2012, and then Obama tried, like the Obama administration tried again. Democrats, not Obama. <laughs> And because it didn't go through, that's why he created this memorandum, because it's time for Congress to get their act together. But yeah. they can only do that if you help. And everyone has a phone. Yeah. yeah so. Just so um, I know there's a lot of people who've never um, voted or people who've never mm-hmm. actually called their congressman. What do you even say when you call a congressman? Is it just dialing a phone number and saying, hey, mm-hmm. uh, I, sup- I lean towards this, like this option? Or what do you think people should say when they call them? Yeah, so definitely forward.us has actually a great solution. So you click on a button and it immediately can, well, you enter your zip code and it connects you to your representative and it also gives you a script. Yep. I mean, okay. at the basic, it's like, I support the Dream Act, please pass the Dream Act. But if you want to more go in depth, I mean, they'll give you a script. But it only takes just a few minutes of your time. Yeah. And we, we'll, we'll work in post production as well as uh, with the hustle team and mm-hmm. forward to get that out there. I'm going to push it out and just show you guys how to do it. Yeah. Um, And I just want to highlight. So there's this quote that talks about people surviving the Holocaust or dying in Holocaust. And at first it might seem like this is only an issue that impacts people who are impacted by DACA. But we're human beings living in America and we need to stand up for what we believe. And I think the quote was, they first came for 
like gypsies, but I wasn't a gypsy, so I didn't do anything. And I'm this is this is not the exact quote, but it goes like then they came for the um, like the Muslims, then the Jews, and I didn't do anything, and then they came for me, but there was no one left to stand up for. Yeah. So even if you're not an immigrant, but this episode resonated with you, take that two, three minutes out of your day and call them because you will literally change lives of almost a million people who live in this country. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're confused about what's going on or you've been enlightened by the story, enlighten someone else by sharing, it'll see a story, reach out to her. We'll share more about how to reach out to her later on. And again, meet other dreamers and call your people in Congress. So Timo, take us away. Yeah. To the lightning so round. at this point in the podcast, and as a listener, you definitely know what's coming up. Uh, we do the lightning <laughs> round, and this is where you get to share actionable advice, resources, strategies that you've used to uh, get to where you are today. So, Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So, this question takes us back to the basics. And as someone who had to start from the beginning several times, not just career wise, but also moving to a new country, kind of if you were dropped in a new city, you only had $100 and you were starting from scratch. And you were trying to back, get back on your feet, kind of what would you do and how would you do that? How would you spend that $100 to break into tech? <laughs> I wouldn't even need it because <laughs> I've done that all my life. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. No, really. <laughs> Not yeah. kidding. Um, no, I don't, I don't need money. Really, the, at the fundamental level is being a great human being. Yeah. And that means like when you go out on the street, be aware. Yeah, there's a homeless person out there. I think he deserves, you know, a uh, good morning, right? When you walk up, how are you doing? Actually, in Palo Alto, they do that. Yeah. Like, literally, I, I was running and then they're like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> they do that. Um, East Palo Alto or? Palo Alto. <laughs> <laughs> you don't run in East Palo Alto. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's something that, like, over the years, I've tried to be a human, a good human being. And I keep doing that because that's just how, you know, this world will be better. Yeah, yeah. So for the dreamers that are here in East Palo Alto and, you know, all over the, the nation, what is one sentence message of encouragement that you want to share to them? And what action item do you want them to follow to rally the people uh, locally like you're doing right now? Mm-hmm. So at the top is you need to speak up. You need to tell your story. And this is something that I also need to do myself, which is I need to talk to the people on the other side. I can't just see the, you know, what's happening online or the comments, because it's when we have that conversation that we are going to move together as a nation. Yeah. And I have to say, because we're in Silicon Valley and like, yeah, we have our bubble and everything's awesome and yay, you know. It's not like that. So we need to get out of here and, you know, go talk to other people. Get out of the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So this might be personal, but you don't have to answer it. And if you don't want to, but what would be um, like the one dream that you wish um, would come true for you? Basically, I want to be able to continue doing what Chris did for me. That's beautiful. You know, mm -hmm. she... Um, I don't know if it's mentorship, friendship, but it's something where you just help people. Yeah. Not because you're trying to, you know, raise followers on Twitter or because it's a career move and you're trying to learn how to manage people, blah, blah, blah. But it's because you genuinely care about bringing someone forward with you. Yeah. 
No, we, we definitely want to connect with Chris and all the other mentors that you've connected with to figure out how to rally everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be cool. You mentioned you swing dance. Yeah. Right? <laughs> is, what, is that what? Is that a hint to the type of music you listen to or is it you like art? Clearly, you talked about yeah. the flower and stuff like that. So what kind of music and, and art do you, aside from what you mentioned, do you pay attention to to like get away and like to take your mind to another place and, and balance and bounce back from situations like this? Yeah. My favorite one is an old classic. It's called Sing Sing with a Swing. Okay. It's Big Bang, 40s. Okay. Amazing beat. Da, 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 da. Um, 200 beats per minute. It's crazy. Okay. You know, your BPMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> and you also mentioned jazz. Like the film, did you ever spend time in the Fillmore District when it was like, you know, super jazzy? Uh, no, not this time because I, I got injured. So I'm not uh-huh. dancing anymore. Um, uh-huh. But um, yeah, I traveled all over the country when I was doing swing dancing. Wow. I even went to the South too. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. major. That's yeah. major. And um, for people who want to connect with you, What's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. So I won't play hard to get because I'm honestly not hard to get. <laughs> My email is R-O-C-I-O-D-E-L-C-L-L at Gmail. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to help anyone, portfolio review or just, you know, anything. As long as it's within my control, of course. <laughs> and of course, there's, there's Twitter. But yeah, I'm very... Uh, you know, approachable. Yeah, and also I'm, I'm an introvert, so I, I'm more of a conversation person than rather like big crowd. <laughs> yeah, the, the most extroverted introvert we've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, so your Twitter is Rocio Designs, correct? Yeah, Rocio Designs. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So we are excited to support you. We are grateful that you were willing to share your story with us and uh, we're going to fight for you and try to rally other people to do the same. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for sharing your story with Thank us. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.